God is doing something in the midst of you, we don't always see what God is doing. And then if you see what God is doing, you may see it incrementally. You don't see it all at once. It's so big. It looks like a little ball, but that big ball, little ball is like a, the universe or, or it's like a, a basketball or a, a huge uh, a globe or something. And so that's how God is. You can't see all of what God is doing. I told you that 50 years ago, God gave me an understanding, and I'm seeing that understanding develop bigger and bigger and bigger. I was thinking that God wanted nations and races to come together, which he does. And, but I didn't see as clearly as I see today, as I saw today, that God wants us to come from all of our various persuasions and, 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 and from all of our little places of sensibility where we have lived. You know, like, I don't like. You know, we come from those places, I don't like. Or we come from, I do like. And God is saying, well, why don't you do what I like? So that's what I want us to really grasp today on this wonderful Father's Day. And um, you know how I feel about the brothers and the men. And I'm going to talk about them more in the days to come. And also uh, the ladies. But let's look at Romans. Romans chapter 8. Uh, I'm supposed to start in verse 11, but I'm going to start in verse 10. So put verse 10. Thank you. Verse 10 says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. I always had a problem with this verse. It was a hard verse for me to unpack because I thought, what does he mean the body is dead? What he means is because of sin. So the body has no useful function to God because of the ravages of sin. That's why when you are in the flesh, you can't please God. And some of us are still holding on to fleshly tendencies the way we used to be. You know, all my life I've been. I, no, the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become or have become new. So, that, so the Lord wants you to know that there's something that he has done that is more powerful than what you used to be. In Romans, uh, uh, in, in this particular Romans, he says the spirit, uh, verse 10 rather, he says the spirit is life because of righteousness. And so what God is showing you that there's a new dynamic in your life that because you have been born again, because the spirit lives in you, he, he says here that, let me read again, but the spirit is life because of righteousness, because of righteousness. So even though the body is going to die because of sin, uh, if the, the Lord returns, we, we're going to be changed. But the, the body is going to die because of sin. He says, the, the, but the, he wants you to know the Spirit gives life to that body today. Right now, the Spirit of God gives life to that body so that we're able to say, serve God. So I can serve God and will serve God in this body that has been ravaged by sin. And um, so Paul goes on also to tell us that um, because the Holy Spirit is in us, the Holy Spirit has sealed each believer. So the Holy Spirit is the seal, S-E-A-L, that you belong to God. This, is, this has to be 
received by us, we have to understand that you and I are sealed now. So the Holy Spirit, when we believe, came to us, came and to live in us. And now I will be saying today, and I'll say in, in future days, some things that will rattle the denominational cage. But don't run out because I rattled your denominational cage. When I rattle yours, I'm rattling mine. Yeah. Listen. And so, um, so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, he talks about that. He says that when we believed in the Lord Jesus, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then he says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? So, so don't deny the fact that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That, that, would, that is what makes us special. Now, I've said this multiple times, but I want to say it again, that when Jesus walked the earth, he looked just like any ordinary man. But he was not ordinary. He was the extraordinary man. He was the perfect man. But he looked like everybody else. When you walk into your job place, you walk down the street, you look like just every, like everybody else. But you are not like everybody else. And just because somebody said, well, you're the same as I am, don't believe it. Because you have the Spirit of God living in you. Yeah. Yeah, you have the Spirit of God living in you. And, and those of you who say, yeah, I got the Spirit of God living in me, but take the but out of the way. I didn't say your, I said the but out of the way. Yeah, it's all right. Okay, 11, 11, verse 11. <laughs> but if the Spirit, not if, but we want to take, no, no, not use if, but if is a good word, but since is a better word here. But since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So where is the dwelling place of God? Everybody, man that is born again, man, has become the dwelling place of God. Yes, God lives in heaven. Solomon says that the heavens of heavens cannot contain you. How much more this temple that I built for you. That's a good, good observation, Solomon. But God was had you build that temple to show you that he was going to have a temple not made with hands on this, on this planet. And it, we are that temple. We are the temple of God. We have become the dwelling place of God. I thought somebody would be enthusiastic about that. I know you have heard that, but you, every time the truth comes, you ought to say amen. Something ought to move inside. Because it is the truth of God. And you and I must testify to the truth of God. That's what God wants us to do. What, God dwelling in me? That's amazing. That God would dwell in me? Now, y'all look at me. I'm looking at you and saying, and that God would dwell in you? He, this is what Paul says. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. And, what, and Or even because of his spirit who dwells in you. This is what Paul said. Your body was dead because of sin, but you have already had a resurrection. Because right now, right now he says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. About three spirit devils and somebody's going to say, oh, that's when the Jesus comes again. It's right now. My mortal body has usefulness. I am useful. Although my body has been dead to God it, because of righteousness, I am useful now. I'm telling you, 
God has done something for the believer that even we don't know. I, I, I can just imagine where I an angel, and I, no, I don't think anybody's called me an angel ever, but where I an angel, I, I wondered, knowing Don Lavelle, he would say, God, Yahweh, can I go down there and take their place? They don't seem to appreciate God living in you is big. So when we get to God, we will have no excuse. God said, why did you? I don't know. I gave you myself. I, I didn't animate you with, this, with something from an angel. I didn't animate you with something outside myself. I animated you with me, with myself, the one who created the ages. Not only the universe, the ages. You are animated not just by God, by God with God. He wants us to know. He wants us to know. If we don't know, who will know? You know, I have, no, I, I have heard of and I've talked to a few women who were pregnant and didn't know. It, I, they were pregnant and didn't know. Now, I'm not going to talk about it lest I be talking about somebody here. But I don't understand how you can be pregnant and not know. But now they said, oh, they thought they had gas. Really? Ooh. I remember when our children were in the womb, my wife said, come down, done, feel. I went crazy. I went, ah. If I can feel it from the outside, certainly you ought to be able to feel it from the inside. I'm saying God is not on the outside just doing things. God's on our inside. And when that baby moved, that baby moved all to one side one time. I remember saying, oh, my, I was just crazy. It was like I was having the baby. You know, the baby moved to the side, and then the baby would go back quickly to the other side. And, and it was all, both Ginger and Marcus were different in the womb. Ginger was more sweet and kind, like a girl. Well, Marcus just moved, put his foot out. You know, I read, it was like that, wasn't it? And she said, this is a boy, and this is a boy. He was different than the girl. But I'm just saying, the carrier of the baby, the mom, was moved. The husband was also moved, watching the mom move. So sometimes God wants to just move in you so that somebody can watch and see that there's something going on. We've got to know that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God is not a puff of smoke. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. He's Yahweh. He's Jehovah. He is Ye Yeshua. He lives in you. Now, I mean, if God can't tell you who you are, let me tell you. Hallelujah. This is what Luke says, records in Acts 2, 24, as he's speaking of Jesus, says, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Listen, I like this because, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So that one who lives in you is the only person 
on the planet, in the history of the planet, that beat death. Beat the most formidable opponent in the universe. He beat death. This is who lives in you, the one who beat death. This is kind of like saying, the one who beat the baddest man. I don't know who the baddest man is, but Mike Tyson was pretty bad. Young boy, about 20, 21 years old. He was crazy. It didn't matter how tall you were, he'd chop you down. It didn't matter how wide you were, he'd make you double over. It's like saying, the one who beat Mike Tyson lives in you go, I can beat anybody here. But the one who beat death, beat death, lives in you. You are the dwelling place of God. And then Paul tells us again as we reiterate Romans 6, 4, he says, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. We have been buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And so Paul is saying here in Romans 6, 4, he is saying that God has done something in the believer so great that the believer now, though he's had a dead body, had no functionality toward God, but now can walk in a newness of life, can walk like a, like a person who has never sinned, can walk like that. I'm not saying we never will sin again, but can walk like that. Can walk like God. That's not blasphemous. I, I told you a story uh, some time, uh, weeks ago, that my mom said, she, was, she laughed and she said, boy, you're just like your daddy. You walk like your daddy. I saw, I saw Brother Greg uh, in vacation Bible school and I saw some little reddish blonde-headed kids and, uh, and nobody taught that boy to walk like you. That boy was walking. You, 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 I, you, could be, you can say, that's that, that boy, Greg Lindsay. Mm, Greg Lindsay. Seriously, walk like, walk like his grandpa. And his boys walk like their papa. They all walk. They have their Lindsay walk. I don't have that Lindsay walk, but I have, I have Orleans walk. And so, so I was walking like Orlean down the hallway, and, and, uh, and mom said, she says, Chuck, you're just like your daddy. You know what? God is our dad. God is our He's not a play dad. He's not an imaginary dad. Because in order to be a son of God, and, and I'm, going to, I'm talking to the males and the, and the females, in order to be a son of God, you must be born of the Spirit. So often I hear believers saying, well, we've been adopted, we've been adopted. You're so stuck on the analogy of adoption that you don't see the fact that you're not a son in this context by adoption. You're a son in this context by spiritual birth. You ought to walk like your daddy. So when I say you and I ought to walk better, live better, have a better lifestyle, I mean that because we are born of him. Wow. This is who we are. Do we need somebody in the secular realm to come tell us, yeah, you are, you are different or you ought to be different? They can't because they, they can't see. If you don't listen to me, listen to the Spirit of God. God has a great work for us to do. We, we have a great work. When we would go out as kids, the dad would take us to town. We lived nine miles out of town in a little community, and dad would take us to town. He would give us a little warning. 
he would tell us, okay, we're going, he would always say, we're going out in the public. He said, I want you all to act like I've trained you. Because he had 10 of us. There was at least eight of us there at the time. He said, we're going we're gonna, to, I want you to act like I've trained you. And, and, and so uh, he, he didn't want it, us to misrepresent him, my mom, or our Christian training. And so we walked out, and we had the reputation of being the best-behaved kids in the community. Why? Because we were probably good because we knew what would happen when we got back home. <laughs> but, but, but still, there was a family comportment. There was family deportment that we were supposed to abide by. God wants this so that you will be distinguished from all the people groups of the earth. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Let me go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. What I'm doing is just bringing some scriptures that will help us grasp the truth of God that Paul is teaching us from Romans. You know, after he teaches the first uh, seven chapters, and then he comes to chapter 7, he shows us this, this chapter 7 is just so chocked with truth, and it's, Paul, Peter's talking about Paul, he says, he says things hard to understand, some, some things hard to understand, and, but when he talks about uh, the dilemma that we find ourselves in as natural people, and then he says, oh, wretched man that I am, because even as a believer, I, you know, these things are always trying to arrest my attention and cause me to do and be something that I'm not. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I can just see the apostle. And sometimes I have, in my walk with Jesus, I've said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And I remember the words of Paul. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. But Paul is saying that you are in a state that where, where there's no help except one source, and that's Jesus Christ. He's all oh, wretched man that I am, oh wretched woman, who will deliver me from this body of death that Adam caused? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. And then he says, and just the next, next breath, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh. They do not walk like unsaved people, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, there's a law now at work in me. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah, somebody. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Mm. Let, let me go. Let me just, well, let me just go now. I, I, I just, I'm going to have to stop. Just a little bit. My wife says, preach, so this is Father's Day, but I'll act like it's Mother's Day. <laughs> Just quickly, 
Rather than the scripture I gave you, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and I won't be long. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. He says, this is what he wants you to know. For in one spirit, we were all baptized all in one body. Doesn't matter where we were from on this planet. We came to Jesus for in one spirit. We were all baptized. So there's not just the natural thing that's at work here. There's a spiritual element that we can never dispense with. He says we were in one spirit. We were baptized in one body. Jews or Greeks. That means Jews or Gentiles. Slaves or free. And we're all made to drink of one spirit. So the, the Holy Spirit took us at salvation. He took us. He baptized us into himself. And we began to drink. It's like holding you under this water or this spirit holding you under. And he, we were made to drink. So he didn't dab us. It says there's no reflection. He baptized us until we start to drink. I can see myself as a young, about nine or ten-year-old boy, going swimming with my big brothers and my bigger cousins. And I'm thinking they must be walking on the bottom. And I jumped in one day. And boy, I went down. <laughs> We went down. We were, we were made to drink. And so the Holy Spirit, not only in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is also in us. And by being in this, this sphere, this realm of the Holy Spirit, you can't see, but he's, we are in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. Therefore, for this reason, Christ is in you, and you are in Christ forever. I know the scriptural warnings. There are scriptural warnings. You can't live like the devil and think you are in heaven. I know those warnings. I was taught those before I was taught who I was in Christ. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 quickly. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Within you. God in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. This is big stuff. How can others be affected when you and I don't seem to know it and walk in it? Christ, the Holy Spirit within you. Holy Spirit within you. You say, well, well you said Christ is in me. Yes, they're one. They can't be dissected. The Holy Spirit was in Christ. Doing great works. Christ is, was placed 
in the womb of the, of the Logos of God was placed in Mary's womb. Brought forth a man named Yeshua. So when Christ, the Holy Spirit, places, as it were, us into Christ and Christ into us, we bring forth two. In all of our doings, we bring forth Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus, the Messiah. That's what God wants us to know. He says, he says, or oh, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. Wow. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. My last scripture. My last scripture. Acts 10, 45 to 46. I'm going to tell you, salvation is great. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, when he talks about the greatness of salvation, he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Those warnings in Hebrews make, make you wonder if you're really saved forever. They're, they're, they're warnings. They're showing you how the redeemed walk. All of them. They show you how the redeemed walk and how the unredeemed walk. You don't walk in a, like an unredeemer acting crazy. I'm, like, I'm saved. So I can go out and do all the fornicating and, and doing whatever I want to do. That's crazy. You're saying that you're unredeemed. I can have as many boyfriends. I can have as many girlfriends because I've been saved. I had friends like that in school. and I, 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 that, It was crazy. I, I rejected good doctrine because the practice was so bad. There are people out here in our communities they're rejecting Christ because of our practice is not right. We, we, we can do better. We can do better. Let me read the scripture. In this scripture in Acts 10, 45 I think what I'm going to do Charity is go back and look at it real quickly. Um, let me just tell you a story. Uh, there was a man, uh, a, a soldier, Cornelius. Uh, he was a centurion, and uh, he was a devout man who feared God. His, his folks feared God. He was a Gentile, and he was always praying and giving to God and giving, giving, giving. And um, about the ninth hour of a day, once he saw a vision of an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Uh, he was very scared. I would too, be too. And he said, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. And I want you to send to Joppa and uh, send for Simon, whose surname is Peter, Simon Peter. He, uh, he's lodging with Simon the Tanner. He's over there by the sea. And uh, we're not going to tell you what to do. We got some preachers over there. He's one of the preachers. He's going to tell you what to do. I know sometimes people say, I don't want no preacher telling me what to do. Well, you may not hear from God. You may or may not, may not. And so he went down. About the same time, old Peter up on the top of the house praying. And he had a vision. He had a vision of, uh, he fell in a trance and had this great sheet. And all this stuff, food, was food stuff like animals. I can understand because if I saw one, a sheet coming down with, 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 with armadillos and you know, you know, frogs, you know, snakes. No, pork chops out eating them, I'm sorry. 
But I saw rattlesnakes and all of them said, rise, dawn, slay, and eat. I said, you know, I, I talked about Peter this morning, three bad. I said, talking talk about no Lord. I said, what do you mean, Peter? But if I'd had all that creeping stuff, grasshopper style, Peter said, no, Lord, not me. Nothing common, unclean ever passed these lips. Happened three times. Rise, Peter, slay and eat, slay and eat. No, I don't want that. That's how we are with God. I don't want that, God. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want anybody getting too excited in church. I don't want anybody clapping. I don't want anybody yelling. I don't want anybody saying hallelujah. I, I, I don't want that, God. Well, you don't want anything that God has. Because all of it is a part of it. I tell you, I am not as demonstrative as so many. I know I mean, I get loud, but I'm not as demonstrative. I was never the person demonstrative like the, the fellow people in our church till they apologized for me. Why? I was just different. It didn't make me bad. The quiet people aren't bad, nor are the noisy ones. God is affecting us differently. But it's all God. He wants us all together. Because sometimes we need to say, shh, 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 let's be quiet. And sometimes we need to shout hallelujah. Yeah, we need to say praise the Lord. Peter. Peter went down. God, God, Jesus told him, you go down there and don't be doubting. Just go. I'm saying that. This, this is the time we have come for the fulfillment of these scriptures. This is the time we fulfill these scriptures. Go without doubting. And he went down there. He says, he started to talk to Cornelius and his household. Cornelius got all of his, his family and his relatives and friends and brought them in to hear what God is saying. And we may, have our, we may have our children. If we don't, let's go get them. Let's go get our grandchildren. And then let's bring our friends so they can hear what God is saying before that trumpet sounds. Listen. And Peter was talking to him. God said, I want all of my kids. Peter was talking to him. The Bible says, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because in the middle of Peter's preaching, they became kind of like rowdy. And let's see, let's see what they said. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out, even on the Gentiles. Something happened that had never happened to a Gentile. But when it happened to the Jews, it had never, ever happened to the Jews before. And when it happened in Acts chapter 2, it happened to the Jews. They Some started to mock. Ha, ha, ha. They've been drinking some wine. And the others would say, no, because we hear them talking about the wonderful works of God in our own language. And then, and it happened here. It says, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. So what does that mean? Am I trying to get you to know? Because you've already been made to drink into the Spirit. Somebody called me one, one day not long ago. Pastor, something happened to me today. I wasn't freaked out about it. He said, I was saying some things I didn't know what I was saying. I said, that's the spirit. It's okay with me. No issue. Because I've had multiple experiences with the Holy Spirit. I laid my hands on, on person and a broken arm was restored. 
laid my hand on a mom who had just had a bad pregnancy, was instantly healed, and her Down syndrome baby with a a hard murmur was totally healed immediately. I didn't doubt that. That was in Orizaba, Mexico. A woman who had a hernia, intestines sticking out, laid hands on her, went back in, and almost like God gave her muscles to hold it in. No exaggeration. So why can't somebody start reading their Bible and being made to drink in the Spirit? I don't have any problem. No, they ask it. No problem. Let's let God be God and we just be the kid. All right. Get upset with my wife. She told me to keep preaching. Thank you so much. I'm going to, Sister Steph, let me just ask right now, and I want you to sing afterwards. Does anybody want Jesus? You want to give your heart to Jesus today? You want to know more about Jesus? Just give your heart to Jesus. Just raise your hand if you do. If, that, if you feel like, hey, I, I've heard enough of the gospel. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Just raise your hand. You know, you don't want to leave this world without Jesus. Jesus has been too good to us. When I was a boy, they used to sing songs that just scared the life out of me. I was sitting back there, didn't know whether I wanted to come forward. And then they would sing something like, don't let it be said too late. And, and, and so I, I, would, I would ease my way to the altar. But if you would like to come, we can come now. Anyone who wants to give his or her heart to Jesus, just come. And, and, and if, is there anybody else? The Word of God says that if you should come to Jesus, He will never cast you out. He will never cast you out. And so we're just going to give our heart to Jesus. This is, this is so good. I'm so glad.